And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap this is the alliance guys podcast as you can see we're down a member he's on husband duties tonight so we're out dkm but you've got me jcal and the former world junior heavyweight champion the modern day hero kevin frazier i've always wanted to do it like that how was that was that good i like that at all wasn't bad at all uh i'm no angelo trinidad but i'm trying you know yeah i felt like you had a microphone in a in a in an arena you could have really drug that one out yeah well you know i got something going on with the throat right now so i wasn't going to go too hard into it but uh you know it's always fun to mess around with your with your boys Hey, I see that we got a full house already. We've got James H. Jackson in the house. Terry McDermott's here. Dave Scooby. Jimmy LB is listening in. Man, it's so cool that you guys choose to spend your Thursday nights with us. That means the world to me. I know it means a lot to the modern day hero. Uh, we're going to get to the show in just a minute. I do want to start the show off a little bit on a somber note. Uh you know, my condolences to the family of Dale Wilkes, the Patriot, who passed away today, I guess, at the age of 59. Did you hear Dang. about that, Kev? No, I didn't. I actually did a couple of little deals with the Patriot, like right at the beginning of my wrestling career. Well, do, you, do you have any stories you want to tell us about them? Nothing that I can remember uh, right off the top of my head. Nothing, nothing but I remember being him being around. A little bit right there at the beginning of my career. It, you Again, know, you're talking late '90s, so uh, you know he was probably making the fin- finishing his uh, his rounds. Well, you know, and uh, I I know he had worked with our buddy uh, Jaden over at the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, working for Dr. Lawrence Zirconium. He did a few shows uh, working for him, so. Um, yeah, just it, it kind of shocking, uh, surprising. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was one of those kids that grew up with the uh, with Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation, and and I think it was in '97 when they did the Hart mm-hmm. Foundation versus uh, basically all the American wrestlers, including the Patriot and Vader, Ahmed Johnson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was uh, I remember watching him in Global, and uh, yeah, huh. just just uh really surprising um but uh yeah, life happens that's the only uh the only sure thing we know is that uh death is inevitable <laughs> it's funny we were talking about that off air a little bit yeah. um, so funny so not funny but interestingly enough terry mcdermott says 
he was my age, so Terry, we're glad you're still with us, brother. That's right. We're man. glad you're still with us. Um, so awesome. Well, I mean, all all uh, what do you call it? Uh, introductions aside, I mean, you ready to jump into it? I'm ready, man. Um, you know, I know. Uh, also, real quick, I wanted to, to point out too um, that we know um, today also would have been the birthday of Josephus. You know, Josephus uh, passed away earlier this year. He wasn't a very uh, old man either. And uh, just want to recognize what Josephus did for the NWA. A lot of his creative and a lot of his uh, his character kind of went into that show, Power. And I really feel like we're missing that part of the NWA. Some of the, some of the soul, if you will, that Josephus brought to the table. So... Again, uh, my con- you know my condolences to Del Wilkes family. Family, my condolences to the friends and family of Josephus, and uh, we wish him a happy heavenly birthday. Right, same, same. Nothing but good things to say about him. Really enjoyed what I got to see of him. So, talking about things we really like to see, or let's talk about it, or that we just try to enjoy. Right, uh, episode. Ah. 33 of NWA Power. The NWA, I, I don't know how many times we could say this. There was another episode that didn't start off with Nick Aldis at the, at the podium. Did you guys acknowledge that? Did you guys notice that? I, I noticed it. I don't know how much I acknowledge it, but you know what's funny is it, it didn't hurt the show. I mean, uh, I, I don't think it was something I was like, oh man, I didn't get to see Nick Aldis. Actually, I really think it's better just because he is good, and too much of a good thing sometimes can can wear it out. So, uh, does I, just because he doesn't start the show and we're glad doesn't mean we don't think like don't think that what he does is good. It just again it means a little more when we don't see it all the time. I it, I just want to echo that sentiment because again I get called a Nick Aldis hater all the time, which is fine. You know I, I have the thick skin, but. What I want people to understand is that we actually really like Nick Aldis. He does his job very, very well. He's a right. great prom- he's a great self promoter. He ha- he's his- he's the best hype man you could ask for. He does a great job of putting himself over. And and these aren't negatives. These are all positives. He can sell yep. you into a match. Um, in fact, on uh, on uh, I think tomorrow uh, they'll be replaying the match that he had with Ricky Morton. And if uh, if, if that well, doesn't if you're excited about that match, it just tells you that Nick Aldis is a great hype man. Um, we get to see a geriatric Eric and Ron in that one. I think. <laughs> well, at least there's no uh, there's at least there's no Asahi moonsaults or anything like that. Um, <laughs> they they probably tried one, but they had to edit it off TV because he almost died. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not really. Uh, not really. Carry on. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was noticeable because I think that's the second week. Well, no, he was on he was on last week, but um, I feel like the NWA is starting to trust the product a little bit more by not including Aldis on every single episode, and I think that's good. To what the exact point you had said was, hey, less is more. Sometimes he's the world's heavyweight champion. He doesn't need to be on TV every week. Um, I would like to see him defend the title more, and I definitely would love to see him tour other wrestling promotions besides the National Wrestling Alliance. But uh, I, I think using him sparingly on TV is a good thing, 
And uh, I think, what do you guys think in the in the chat? I, I mean, I'm reading some of the comments. Uh, Terry uh, Terry McDermott said last week's show was uh, this was better than last week's show. James H. Jackson said it was like in the region's day. Seeing the champ was very rare, so less rare, less really is more. The champ came to your territory very sparingly. So uh, it sounds like you guys are echoing some of our same sentiments. But um, yep. Well, and I think even today, in today's wrestling world, um, it's still that. I mean, it still works. It still applies. Just, I think the better the. It's just how you do it. And the big thing I I would say that I my biggest beef sometimes with the NWA um, is the payoff isn't worth all the all the the stringing along. Um, you got to have a big payoff if you're gonna if you're gonna string us along. Um, you got to give me the payoff. But the other side of it too is that you know it's a different world in terms of competitiveness. And sometimes you know like it'd be nice to see. Nick Aldis wrestle a world heavyweight title match on power for half the show. And half the show is just a, a 30 minute world title match. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know that that's like, oh, well, now you say that for pay per view. Yeah, but you could do it on pay per view too. I mean, it's not like it's, that's not weird today. That's not, it's not, it's not a strange thing to have something like that happen. And think about like, a situation where Kofi Kingston wrestled for a, had a 45 minute match um, on live television, and that's pretty much what sold the WrestleMania was because it was Kofi Kofi Mania, and him winning the title was the story of the year. Yeah, that doesn't happen without a 45 minute barn burner of a match on free TV. So again, there, there's a way to do it. Um, I think, and I think you need to have solid content which actually I felt like there was some solid content on the show um, you need to have that in your show to be able to stay relevant and compete but like I said a couple weeks ago I've also kind of backed off on trying to relate the NWA uh, to some of the more serious wrestling promotions out there uh, until they pull back on some of their comedy and they they strengthen up some of their work rate. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, you, offline we kind of talked about this show, and mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, if you're expecting the NWA to all of a sudden become NXT or Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen, guys. And it's unrealistic for us to measure the show to those high levels. Right. Now, I mean, you, you and, just kind of... Go, go ahead. ahead, Jay. No, well, I was going to say, in all reality, like, this is the, this is the thing, is that... And this, this, this is not to say that the talent on some of those shows is just so much more superior. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the seriousness that the company takes itself is that they take themselves a lot more serious. You know, when Shane Taylor comes out on Ring of Honor, you literally get scared. You know, like, you know, when, when some of the guys, you know, when, when you see, you know, a couple of guys, some of the workers at NXT, say like a Gargano or a Tommaso Ciampa come out, you know you're about to see, or Walter, 
you know you're about to see something. It's about to be a it's about to be a throwdown. And I just think there's a seriousness and a gravity that they take their product with. Uh, not that there's not hokey stuff throughout, but it's just a general overall um, tone that they take. And I think NWA kind of takes a little more of a comedy tone um, that that I'm not going to say it's good or bad. I'm just going to say I can't put it in the same category as shows that take themselves a little more seriously. Because Hood Slam, who a friend of mine actually runs that company, and they don't take themselves seriously at all. And they're, they're great for it. <laughs> That's what makes them great. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so uh, that doesn't mean you. That doesn't mean that it's it, it's a bad product. It just means that I have to I have to gauge my comparisons. And if they want to be compared to some of those other programs that we're talking about, um, which is more my flavor of ice cream, uh, then then they'd have to change a little bit of just their approach altogether. But on top of that, I, I think the first match that we're going to cover um, might might be the probably the, what I felt like maybe the best part of the show. I mean, and that's I, I kind of agree with you. Hold on, just one second. Realize why my light looks so weird. There we go. That's a lot better. Okay. Um, now, real quick, before we get to the matches, I do want to point out Jimmy Jimmy and the LB said, I like the NWA the way it is as long as they offer a quality product. That's all that matters. And he means overall. Well, Jimmy, I think some yeah. of us might argue with you on that. Um, yeah, but he did, he did come back and say, I do see your point on the comedic aspect. And then what would Luke Diaz do? said, way too much comedy. And yeah. so, no one, look, it's pro wrestling. We know what it is. But there's just... You just have to have a kind of like I say, you got to have your finger on the pulse of your company of what your what message you're really trying to deliver. And if you're never getting true, honest feedback from just straight up fans, um, you're gonna you're gonna there's gonna be some miss you're gonna miss some stuff in the translation, and you're gonna think you're something you're not. It's called a bad lack of self awareness. Uh, Traducus brings up a, a good point. He says the NWA is kind of like championship wrestling from Hollywood, a mixture of all styles except for the death match. And I mean that's yeah. that's pretty accurate. But let's get yeah, into yeah. let's get into let's the get show. Into it. Let's get into it. Um, yeah. Because you're right. This opening bout was probably one of my favorite opening matches we've had in a long time. I am absolutely uh enthralled with Taryn Terrell and Genocide as a group uh I feel like they complement each other so well Taryn Terrell is super bubbly and very much a cheerleader and then you've got the athlete Genocide who comes in and basically is your punctuation mark I mean there's no question about it she's got muscles she's got size her wrestling technique I feel is getting better each and every week and then you put her in the ring with Lady Frost, who I've heard nothing but good things about. She really didn't get much of an opportunity to showcase who she was against Taryn Terrell in her first match on NWA Power. Uh, but this match, I feel like she had a lot more to show. And I was impressed. I thought both women did a great job. I mean, we saw that the uh, the announcers tended to allude to Taryn Terrell as kind of transitioning into a manager manager role which i have no problem with that i think she'd be great at it she's she's doing very well in that position currently um although the fans were cheering for genocide she very much wrestles as a heel in fact i, I my note here says that 
Um, she wrestled like her last name was Anderson with hanging on to that arm bar as much as she did. Uh, she finishes the match with a tombstone. Lady Frost goes 0-2. Um, Gen- Genocide looks dominant, and uh, Frost looked pretty good. What were your thoughts, Kev? I was really happy with about with nine-tenths of this match. Okay. Uh, I really was. Like, I felt like it was what you want out of a wrestling match. And I'm, uh, I mean, hats off to the ladies uh, wrestlers of this era for really um, closing the gap in the work rate difference or the difference that the, the eyeball test um, you know this might have been one of the best matches we've seen in four or five shows and the work rate was solid both girls were in amazing shape uh, Taryn Terrell brought a lot of entertainment quality to it that kind of fills in some of the dead space uh, with a character like Genocide who doesn't need a lot of reactions and doesn't need a lot of facial expressions because really it takes away from the kind of robotic kind of character and again I always compare I, I compare if I were to say what's what's a character if I was Genocide's coach who would I tell her to watch I would say watch The Undertaker because it's another character who has very very limited reactions but when he does make a face or when he does react it's very intense uh, when he sells it's not overly dramatic but again you notice that for a long time Paul Bearer came out with The Undertaker to add a little bit of that flair and even a promo element to the to that character I think that's fine I think it's great I don't think it's a knock on genocide or that genocide should feel like she has to like like close some kind of gap so that she can you know talk on the mic or anything like that I felt like they pushed Camille on the mic too hard initially where she didn't really need to talk on the mic or prove anything on the microphone um which they could have used Taryn Terrell with her in the same fashion which they kind of did but the match itself Lady Frost was really good she was solid technique was really good um I felt like both the girls were in really good shape which is a big thing both of them had great gear uh their ring positioning was really good the match went the way it was supposed to they sold it was solid uh the only thing i'm gonna say is and this is just a wrestling rule and if anybody knows it in the nwa it's matt cross that how you finish a match is is a huge is nine tenths of the match so when that one element of the match isn't good it's something that leaves a funky taste in your mouth and so you can have a great match all the way through and then have a, a what I'm going to call this a bocce finish where it just felt, look, look, and this happens a lot. You feel like you're up against time limit and then you rush things a little bit and then something that could have taken, something that could have taken, uh, did I jump on my, my back? Yeah, you're back. Sorry. Uh, but something that could have taken two seconds to make the timing right gets rushed you know, ahead, of, you know, gets kind of rushed and things get a little fidgety. And I think that's just, the finish was a little fidgety. I felt like, you know, for some, Lady Frosted, like the twisting kick, barely hit Genocide. Genocide no-sold it. Then, then Lady Frost climbs up the ropes and Genocide catches her and then rushes into the tombstone. And I'm just saying that little segment could have taken like two seconds, been two seconds 
slower with just a hair bit more drama and it wouldn't have taken up any TV time uh, at all and it would have it would have really like gave it that punctuation because what you need for genocide because it's building her up is for her to hold that tombstone stare into the camera then hit the move not just grab her and tombstone and so again that's just a, a it's just a little something that I feel like if it ha- if the match has that we're talking about one of the best women matches of the week two two things I want to add to that is number one that was a great call likening genocide to the undertaker that i mean that's that's brilliant that's exactly where they should go with her they've got they've got uh taren terrell to be her paul bear i mean that was that was a great analogy um props yeah. to you i i tip my hat to you secondly the other thing that i mean that's why that's why you got the world champ on here that's right <laughs> the other thing that i thought that this is a very much a nitpick but i thought that if with genocide working the arm the entire match like I felt like it didn't lead to something. You know what I mean? Like if Anders, if Arn Anderson's working your arm, he's probably gonna finish that match with some sort of arm bar submission. And I was kind of hoping for that. Um, I, I mean, I'm a fan of Genocide. I think she did great in the ring, but I wish there would have been like a, again, a way to correlate working that arm. I mean, we don't know enough about Lady Frost to know if that arm is deadly. So we don't know if she was neutralizing it. Um, but I just kind of wish it would have played to something uh, like it. Well, and, and I, I want to add something to that, Jay, because you bring up a great point, and it's something I kind of was thinking about through the match that I was that, that really, that really, I'm that my mind, I'm, my eyeball test again is going, and to go back to the Undertaker, uh, a character like that. I mean, really, genocide doesn't need to be overtly technical yeah. as a wrestler. I think it takes a little bit away from the high impact, you know, kind of style that a character with her build, but also with a character with her gimmick. You know, you don't expect a robot to be this, this, uh, you know, the Terminator to be like this cerebral wrestler. You just think of him as a, as a destroyer, a killer, a crusher, a, a, you know, smashing. And with her body type, I, you know, I think she could ditch a little bit of the wrestling. Uh, add a little bit more high impact, uh, work on her selling, and then and a little bit on timing. And man, she's be one of the best women wrestlers out there today. I think we could agree on that. Um, I did wrote, uh, did wrote, I did write something um, else that I really liked. Ladies, Lady Frost's athleticism in the match. I mean, she did that standing moonsault, and I was like, damn, like, that was impressive to me. Um, and uh, again, the. Uh, the other thing that, again, a nitpick is I want continuity in my storylines, right? A couple weeks back, Genocide came out to prevent Melina from interrupting the coronation ceremony that they gave to the world's champion, um, Camille. But they did they haven't tied anything back to that yet, so it seems very out of place. And it, right. it still doesn't make sense to me why they did that. They had Melina come out. That didn't make sense. They had genocide stop it. That didn't make sense. I still don't get why they did that. So, um, just scratching my head on that one. I, I don't get it. It really looks like they taped everything, and they didn't have a completely clear like direction on it. And the promos almost sometimes seem reactive. 
Um, so, again, I think this is where you're missing a guy like Dave Marquez, um, who really has experience in the, the eloquence of the way that the show is portrayed. Because Dave Marquez can take, you know, chicken bleep and put it, may turn it into chicken salad or whatever it is. Um, he can take, he can take certain, he, he has a way of maximizing what's on the card uh, and knowing how to put them in situations where they're a success, where they can be successful. Um, and then again, I mean, he's no Paul Heyman, but Dave's <laughs> one of the best I've ever worked with. At it. I mean, Paul Heyman's the best of all time to me at maximizing the talent that you have. Um, nobody to me even comes close, no. but, but again, I, I just think that, that you're, you're missing that there's some kind of lack of continuity in the, in the way the stove seems to have been taped. I mean, I was at least happy that they explained Terry and Terrell last week in genocide. And now they're together in the ringside that at least we got that, um, Traducus on the Twitch stream wanted to ask you that if the NWA brought back the World Junior Heavyweight Championship, would you consider making a return to the ring? Um, I would wrestle like a like a Rey Mysterio. I've said it before. I would wrestle a Jushin Liger. I would wrestle, you know, a, a wrestler like a very a prom, like in a prominent situation. Um. I think, and that that's just because for me to like stop everything I'm doing right now in life and shift gears like that to get in the shape I need to be in, you know, just all the adjustments that have to be made in my life to be good at, to be good at it. Because for me, I'm not, I'm not going to just throw some boots on and just go jump in the ring and look like Johnny Yuma. I'm going to like put a hundred percent effort hundred percent effort into into it and not just thought like you know wet noodle so that that's something that i would have to like it would be something where like i would like to do a four match deal over a year where i wrestle maybe four matches with you know maybe a ray mysterio or uh uh i'd wrestle some of the young uh, uh mecha wolf or you know some of somebody with some major clout that that benefits me on one end of it, but on the other end um, is a match that people really actually would want to see. Like, man, it would be great to see Kevin Douglas versus Zack Sabre. That would be a match that would be great because I'm a good technical wrestler. He's a good technical wrestler. Um, a Ray Phoenix is somebody I could see myself going against. Like, somebody like that. Like, if, if we're talking about that caliber of talent, or even if we're talking in the NWA, I mean, Matt Cross is somebody I wouldn't, I wouldn't I would think long and hard about being able to wrestle if I don't have to wrestle him in six minutes. <laughs> what about what about our boy Danny Limelight? Oh man, you know what I think would be fun with Danny just because I like him too much to punch him in the face. But I'd <laughs> like to I'd team up with him. It'd be a so, fun tag team. So all all I'm saying is this, right? If you step back into the ring, you gotta let me be your manager. Okay, I'll carry uh, that. Yeah. Okay. I'll have I'll have the bottle of water for you, right? I'll even wear the gloves. <laughs> okay. Well, Dave, Dave Scooby just broke some news here on the page. Matt Cross has signed with Major League Wrestling. All right. Well, that's a great signing for Major League Wrestling. That's certainly a, a loss for the NWA, but I'm very happy for Matt Cross. Um, I, I, I oh, like man. what Major League Wrestling is doing. I, I have to be honest. I haven't 
followed it as closely as I probably should. But yeah. Um, yeah, Matt Cross is certainly a gain for anybody, any wrestling promotion. So happy to hear it. Thanks for the breaking the news, Dave Scoops. Speaking of a couple of junior heavyweights, uh, that brings us to Sal Renaro, your pal Sal, your pal and mine. Um, mm-hmm. A very rare ringside interview with his best friend, May Valentine, and <laughs> Danny Deeds for some reason. Um, they never explained that either. Again, if I'm pulling out continuity issues, they never explained how Danny Deeds all of a sudden became Sauer Naro's manager. But um, this was this was probably the most awkward moment. This was this was pretty scary. Um, as someone who's never stepped foot in a professional wrestling ring, I mean, okay, I've been in the ring, but I've never wrestled in a ring. Um, and they've always said that the hardest part of the ring is the apron. This was scary. Um, I do want to tip my hat to May for, I mean, May sold it great. I, she's getting better and better every week. And, and in this moment, how she's screaming for security, how she kept saying, Colby, no, don't do it. I really felt like this was a Miss Elizabeth moment. You know, she really was getting into it. (laughs) Like, I know it's just her best friend, Sal, but I mean, there was, there was some passion there. There was some feeling and the ultimate underdog, Sal Renaro got blasted on the apron with Colby Carino, uh, did some sort of suplex. I'm not exactly sure what move he was efforting to do because I think it was, uh, and Kevin will get into this in a moment, but I think he messed up. And I like I even videotaped that that portion of the match, and I slow motioned it, and I looked at it several times, and I still don't know exactly what he was going for, whether it be a brainbuster or a suplex. Um, but I mean that could have been very very dangerous. And in and I know Kevin's gonna get into it, but one thing I want to point out is even El Rudo Sam Adonis posted onto Twitter saying that. He wasn't sure who he was angrier at, Colby for doing the move or for Sauronaro for taking it. So, Kev, what did let, let's get into it. What did you think? So, I have spoken very strongly off air about how not impressed I am with Colby Carino, um, and you know, I know I'm friends with Adam Pierce. I know. Adam Pierce's friends with Steve um, Carino. And I know that regardless of what the repercussions are for me just telling the truth uh, about Colby, um, that's just what we do on the show is tell the truth. And Colby Carino to me has been underwhelming for one, but for two has been towing the line of just professionalism as a whole and um, you know there's a way to do it and I mean no offense to Steve Carino who probably will never listen to the show anyways I wasn't a big fan of Steve Carino anyway <laughs> I didn't really think what Steve did was just that great I felt like he was overrated everywhere he went um, I didn't think he was that good on the mic you know I just that's just me though and I mean that doesn't mean he's not a nice guy that doesn't mean that I don't have friends that he's friends with but I just I mean I just never was that impressed with him. And I'm even less impressed with Colby Carino 
uh, especially after this this situation. So Jay, I'll tell you what he was trying to do. He was trying to give him a suplex. I'm over here like giving some demonstration like anybody can see. Um, but he's trying to give him a suplex where he suplexed him on the eighth. Brainbuster or not, the way the move goes is is it, it takes a little bit. I mean, you have to be really specific with how you hit him on the apron because the thing you don't want to happen is for their legs to bounce off the ropes. And I'm telling you, Karina rushed this move so made this rush this thing so much that that he just blew it. I mean, absolutely blew the move. Like, blew it bad. And, you know, Sal... I mean, look, I understand Sal's maybe not your NWA championship material, but you know what? Sal is a human being. He's a he's a man. Um, he probably has... He does have people out of... Everybody has people in their life that love him and care about him. And, and those are the things you need to take into consideration when someone gives you their body... On in a dangerous situation like that, um, so I, I really, I was just, I couldn't believe it because it's really not that hard of a thing to do. I mean, it is a little bit of a tricky move, and if you're not good at it and you're not ready and you're, or you don't know if you can do it well, don't do it. And it looked like to me that the move was never practiced. It looked like to me that he'd never done this move before successfully. Um, and heck, who knows? Maybe Sal's the reason this went awry. Maybe maybe it's something I don't know happened because I'm not in the midst of it. But I didn't see really any effort on Colby's behalf to guide Sal in any way or protect him in any way either, which just, uh, it was just pretty, it was just bad. That's just like, it was just a, it was a botch. Uh, in the worst place you can botch, him, botch it and it felt like something that you're out, you have to protect the guy that you're with I mean that's just part of it and it didn't seem like there was any effort uh, for that and when you watch guys like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn I mean they slam each other on the apron all the time um, they put themselves in really compromising situations but you can tell it's done with precision and they take their time you know, Kevin Owens will powerbomb somebody against the apron, but he never rushes. It's always, he always takes his time and makes sure that he, you know, slams the guy hard, but slams him the way that, you know, not going to break his neck. I mean, you're not going to not hurt somebody when you slam on the apron. I mean, it's going to suck no matter what. But, you know, there's a difference between a football player running up and tackling somebody hard and cleaning their clock on a on a play and then taking his helmet off and smashing him on the back of the head you know like one is just part of the game and that's just part of why you're why you're here the other is just unsportsmanlike and unnecessary and so again that's kind of how i saw that is it's somewhat unsportsmanlike um i'm i'm over i'm over it um I do want to say a couple things. I like going to the audience. First and foremost, uh, what would Luthez do says live rounds on the firing line. <laughs> and I think that's, what does that mean? I think that means you're going, you're, you're shooting brother. Um, and then, uh, Traducus was, is actually a big fan of Colby Carino. And he says, I also prefer Colby as a baby face, but he's a great hill. You can tell I'm a capital catalyst wrestling fan and that he disagrees with your opinion. I mean, and that's the thing, man. That's wrestling is subjective. 
you're allowed to have your opinions. That's this is Kevin's truth. Um, the one thing that I'll say about it, you said he didn't protect him, but what I kind of noticed is he did keep that neck protected on the way down. And I mean, if he had to let go, I think things could have been a lot more dangerous. Now, Kevin, you obviously know more about wrestling than I ever will. Cause I never stepped inside of it. I've never taken a suplex or a brain buster or anything else, but he did seem to cradle that, that head and neck and didn't allow Sal to drop on his head, which I, I mean, I don't know if you can even say that is a uh, redeeming quality or redeeming factor about the whole thing. But I just felt like he did kind of try to look after him after the botch, after it was coming down. I don't, I don't, I don't want to claim any malicious, intent uh, on Colby's behalf. That's not what I'm getting at, but I do want to say it was sloppy. It was lackadaisical uh, and it was irresponsible. And so I don't think he was trying to break South's neck by any stretch of the means, uh, but I do think it was just sloppy and irresponsible and rushed. And in a situation like that, you can't rush it. You got you to really make sure that you place, you, you put the guy right where you want to put him. And if you're not ready for that, there's a million, I mean, it's wrestling. There's a million moves you can do. Slam the guy on the floor, for God's sake. Give him a suplex on the floor. I mean, you know, it, it hurts like hell, but it's a lot safer. <laughs> well, and, so, and um, I mean, couldn't they have told the same story with a chair? I mean, they could have done the same thing. He could have blasted him with a chair, you know, do his own, a one-man concerto, if you will. And it would have had well, the same effect without putting him at risk. Or just pull the move off right. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Now, how did how did that match happen? The the three way match. Where was that? I never saw the three way match. So the NWA, and I guess we didn't really talk about it, but the NWA uh, has has uh, started releasing more content now on YouTube. The new show is called NWA High Voltage, paying homage to the WCW tag team of the same name, and oh. on that show. The first episode they quietly released, it was Tim Storm versus Peter Avalon for the 70th anniversary show. And that was a pretty fun match uh, from that 70th anniversary show. They quietly released it, and it was cool. Then then they made the announcement that they're going to start putting out more matches on Fridays. And this was, they, they aired it as a dark match. But I mean, I felt like this was great. Like, this is what Power Surge should be. It is what high voltage is and it's just a reminder that hey we do this live show on tuesdays at uh, uh 605 on, on fight here's the link to buy the pay-per-view here's the link to watch the uh the free stuff that we're doing on youtube and everyone should win with that so i feel like that was a really smart move from the nwa and that's where they put that match and it was a three-way match between pj hawk and and uh uh Renaro and colby carino and uh of course, PJ Hawk had just gotten attacked by uh, Mecha Wolf and uh, Bestia 666, so he he had some injuries. He was wrestling hurt, uh, but it was a good match, told a good story, and uh, I actually really liked it. Uh, Traducus agrees with me. The match on high voltage was amazing. That three-way was you know pretty special. If you get a chance, Kev, go check that match out. Uh, oh, oh, I'm I'm gonna do it just for Traducus. So that I, you know, to give Colby Carino a fair shake, because uh, I'd like to see the match. I'd like to see him actually wrestling a match. Uh, because again, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of him. I just haven't been impressed with what I have seen. But I also think 
How are they gonna have a match on high voltage that tells more of a story than some of the matches they have on their main show? And that's uh, you're you're preaching to the choir. They called it a dark match, but it directly connected the dispute that they had on the episode before about the TV title, and then literally brought to the. I mean, we we're supposed to have that TV title match on Tuesday, and of course, it didn't happen, but. Yeah, sounds uh, like somebody somebody up there making booking calls that don't know nothing about wrestling. Billy Corgan. Like, and this match would have been great if you know what I mean. Like, this outlet would have been great to do like another um, a, a good tag team match. Or you know, you've got so many. You've got the the end. You've got the War Kings. You've got Slice Boogie lying around. I mean, they could put this match. This match should have been on power this week and they should have done something else for high voltage well but you know in in devin's defense i i am in on i'm in on the conspiracy that they hate tag team so (laughs) (laughs) you you might be on something was that a segue are we coming up on the the Crimson and Dane promo, or we got a while to go. Uh, that? We're, we're, that's coming up soon, but the the next thing we get is <clears throat> the makeshift six man tag. And you said they hate rest, they hate tag team wrestling. This would have been yep. a good opportunity to have a tag team wrestling match instead of what we got. Um, this was Mims, who everyone loves. Mims, your buddy Captain Yuma. And one half of the NWA Tag Team Champions, Aaron Stevens, taking on the tag team of Hawk Ari and J.R. Kratos, the other half of the Tag Team Champions. Now, at least on this storyline, they were saying, hey, we're, we're just putting out this match because we know that you guys got robbed of the match before. We were, basically, we're just killing time. Um, and they're, they're trying to make it feel like this is a live like TV taping, like we're watching it live as it performs, not something that was taped a few weeks ago that they could have easily edited it another match. They're kind of trying to present itself as a live program. So they had to, you know, makeshift this match. And, you know, I'll, I'm going to start off from the very beginning. I don't think that Captain Yuma should be in a match with guys who are three times the size. It just doesn't make sense. It's not fun television. If you're going to put them in a squash match against Paro or Tom Latimer or something of that nature, fine, but he just looked very out of place. Um, This match just was very meaningless. Um, I thought I I did think it was funny that Stevens and uh, Kratos kind of hung out in the neutral corner, like just, you know, talking during the match. And uh, they seem to be more on the same page than they've been since the show started. Uh, the match ends when La Rebellion starts attacking Captain Yuma after making probably one of the best promos of the night, which Mecha Wolf said oh, yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Uh, you know, this match is this match is a mockery of professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, that's You're exactly right. what I, I was I, thinking. I, I like Mecha Wolf on the mic, man. He, well, I mean, he, he says, he says, first of all, where's my Puerto Rican flag? And secondly, he says, like we came here, like we wrestled all over the world. We came here for those tag titles, and and why are why is this match happening when you could be wrestling the best tag team in the world? You know, according to them, obviously. And right, right. I don't best tag team in the NBA, possibly. I don't, I don't, I don't argue that. I, I just, again, 
the whole time I'm watching that is why didn't we get Hakari versus uh, Mecha Wolf and, and Bestia? Why are, you know that there's a feud there? Why aren't we getting a, a, an end tag team match or again Slice Boogie in a one on one match or it, really anything but that? Um, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Terry uh, because he said uh, he says that. Uh, Billy Corgan loves the Twilight Zone and the Gong Show because there was a little thing. I think it was we talked about it last week that that sometimes it feels like it's a mixture of the Twilight Zone and the Gong Show. Um, this was one of those moments. Yeah. And you know what? I don't even feel like this deserves really a part of our show because there was just nothing to talk about. I mean, you're right. I agree. Johnny Yuma looked out of place and out of prime. Um, uh, and just didn't work for me. Uh, none of it worked for me. And I hate to see him put good talent out there just to make a joke of it. Uh, it just moving on, you know, like this is the stuff that I say why the NWA can't be on the same level as some of these other promotions that they're, they're going to be relegated to comedy as long as they continue to do stuff like this. Yeah. And again, to kind of sum up, sum up my thoughts on it is, anything would have been better than this give me slice boogie versus captain yuma give me give me anything man this just just doesn't do anything for me um right (laughs) next up we get the jacks and crimson promo you know we did a lot of talking offline after this episode we normally don't we normally save it for the show but we just this one this particular episode there was it was so to quote terry very much Twilight Zone and the Gong Show, but also a little bit of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because there were some parts of the show that I thought were absolutely awesome. And then there's some parts of the show that just don't make sense to me and I don't think are interesting or even entertaining. And as much as I like Jax Dane, this promo, the phrase that we came up with was poorly crafted drama. Yes, it and just, I think that's a phrase We'll, we'll continue to use throughout uh, our show, not just this show, but going forward in the future. I, I just, I like Jack Stain. I like Crimson as a tag team. I think the War Kings have so much more potential than what they're getting in the NWA. I don't understand why everything has to be tension. Everything has to be, uh, uh, you know, animosity between each other. Uh Jack's reasoning for for Crimson not going all in on 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 uh, Slice Boogie was fine. Hey, he's just a kid. You proved your point. I was fine with that. That was all okay. But then when but then Crimson's like, where Jack says, "I have to tell you something, but I'll wait till next week to tell you on on Power." I just thought that that was a bit much. I mean, you're on Power this week. This is a Power segment. What are we doing here? Right. No. Uh, yeah. Poorly crafted drama, for sure. It was painfully. It was. It was a little bit of a painful segment to watch. Um, again, I see the War Kings more as you know. Uh, with not, not trying to be cliche here, but uh, you know, tell them, tell them, Hawk. You know, <laughs> like rah, 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 You know that. I don't see these guys as much as as, as like cerebral. You know, and again, that doesn't—that's not an insult at all. You know, wrestling has has so much dynamic that, you know, 
I'm five seven. You know, five nine listed. If I were to wrestle, I'd be two hundred fifteen pounds. So I'm not gonna go out there acting like I'm Andre the Giant. You know, I mean, Jay. Many times when I wrestled, I I could beat the guy I'm wrestling across from me in a shoot wrestling match in 15 seconds. And sometimes those guys were 250, 280 pounds. I could ragdoll those guys. But when we wrestled in a match, a work match, it's got to look believable to the people. The people don't, most regular people don't understand, like, that concept. You know, uh, they've never been in a judo dojo where a 160-pound guy can beat a 300-pound guy and throw him around the room, you know, because he's a black belt and the other guy's a white belt. They just aren't, most people aren't accustomed to that. What We in wrestling, we try to portray what the audience almost assumes we're going to be like based on our look, based on our gimmick. Um, and, And that's something that I had to learn. You know, and remember when I was telling you about Thunder Rosa and Camille, you know, when when you're like if you're Thunder Rosa and you're wrestling Camille, you don't ragdoll Camille, though you can. Sure, I I don't doubt in my mind she can ragdoll Camille. That's not the point. The point is Camille is this big beast of a of a monster. And the more of a monster she is, the more you make her look like the monster. The the more like like David versus Goliath you look like, which is the story that you're trying to tell and the story that people want to see. And so this is, and I go this a long way around to say, through the War Kings, you know, they're not, they're not uh, Aaron Stevens. You know, these are the kind of segments I expect to see from like Aaron Stevens and, uh, you know, Danny Deals or, you know, Sal Renaro. These are the segments I expect to see from the more kind of softer characters. These guys, man. They, the, the interviewer needs to be afraid while they're there next to him. Like, afraid of these guys because they're, they're freaking animals because they're the war kings. Um, so, it, yeah, I think I'd be labored a little bit. But I wanted the, the people to see that the reason I explain a little bit in depth um, and, and I, it's because I'm looking at it from a higher, a high, like, a, like a bird's eye view or a, a, from what a wrestling promoter or a a booker or or a, a trainer of wrestlers might be looking at, and you know, it 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 just didn't make a lot of sense to have these two big bad dudes. Nothing about the War King story has made sense to me at all. Um, they're the kind of guys you expect to hit people with chairs, and us think they're cool because they do it because of the War Kings. Um, so yeah, it, it, I, I don't know where they're going with it, uh, but. And it kind of and it kind of also belabors the the tag teams having and having a dissension too. It just it just oh here we go again. So <laughs> I, I'm done on this segment. I mean, I, I am too. <laughs> uh, I am too. Like uh, it just uh, I don't know, man. I want more. I want better. You know what I mean? I, I want better for the NWA than that. And I want better for the War Kings than that. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, next up, oh, real quick, my, my note on here was, again, pointless. 
no rudder. It's like a ship without a rudder. It's like it's just going around. Like, there's no point to it. And and you know, if you go into the comments section, you see that James H. Jackson he says, "I'm glad to see Kratos." Uh, we'll be on the upcoming New Japan shows in USA when the fans come back. Yeah, that th- those are actually happening in my backyard and and uh, in uh, at the Coliseum and at Thunder Studios where they shot Primetime Live. So both of those are pretty cool. Uh, James H. Jackson says they will really use him to his fullest, and I believe that. I, I agree with that. Terry McDermott says he wants to see the War Kings bust heads. You know, at one point they were managed by Road Warrior Animal, and. Maybe that's what they need is another manager. Uh, and I know that sounds mm-hmm. counterintuitive, but maybe that's what they need. Um, you know, Maybe they need to be booked like the characters they are. Yeah, that too. Could you imagine? I, I was talking to somebody else and uh, wrestling with MMA. I was talking to him offline, and we were talking about it. And I said, what if Austin Idol was managing Jack Stane instead of managing Tyrus? And I think I would really be okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, because if he came out and talked about them the way he talks about Tyrus, the problem is, is we can't have, we can't have, like, you know, Young and the Restless drama, you know, with these guys. We need, we need, like, gladiator drama, uh, more so, you know, there will be blood, (laughs) so. And then, uh, Traducus says he agrees with Terry. He wants to see them kill people with a doomsday device like the Road Warriors. So, yeah, I mean. You're, 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 you're talking to the to the right guys here because we all agree like that's that's the team we want to see you know those are the yep. guys we want to see just like that um, and then Terry McDermott says now Austin with the War Kings would be good I mean it's just an idea it's just something I'm throwing out there um, I don't know how long Tyrus will be around the NWA I don't know how long the War Kings are going to still be a tag team in the NWA but it'd be something interesting and I think you'd get something better than these kind of well, promos. Um, but getting up to the next uh, part, and this is the question of the week. We want you guys to sound off in the live chat. Uh, Kevin, what's the question of the week? Well, I considering what, what's about to happen and what we're about to go into, we kind of want to see what you guys Yes, it is. The why is important. We'll acknowledge them and kind of discuss a little bit on on what you guys think uh, of of who the national champion should be. Uh, and as far as I know, it's it's going to be Chris Adonis versus JTG. Right, and that's what we get at the podium. Uh, we get the national title promos, and. And uh, th- I'm going to quote you, Kevin, because I thought this was funny. You said, well, that didn't age very well because we learned that uh, that uh, Fred Rosser has been com- has signed an exclusive deal with New Japan of America. Um, so he's just, whatever you see has already been taped. Uh, he is no longer uh, able to be a part of the NWA because he's exclusive now to New Japan. So at the podium, you get JTG, and he says he wants the gold. It's the only reason why he's in the NWA is he wants the gold. I got to say, man, I remember crime time. I don't remember JTG looking this good. And he, he definitely gives off uh, 
he gives off that that really that's what I'm looking for he's got a hunger right he looks good and uh, and then you've got um, Chris Adonis who I mean Chris Adonis always looks like a million bucks I've known that guy since uh, you know 2004 when he was training at Ultimate Pro Wrestling as Chris Mordertsky, uh where he and Adam Pierce wrestled for the UPW World Title that Adam Pierce won, by the way. Um, and he was like like a 22 year old wrestler back then. I mean, the guy it doesn't even seem to age. And he comes out there with strictly business. He's got his insurance policy. Uh, Kevin's favorite wrestler, Tom Latimer, and basically just says that hey, you know. No matter what happens, I've got I've got insurance policy, and that's when Fred Rosser jumps in and offers to help out, um, kind of setting up that maybe if something goes down, you've got uh, JTG has backup. Kev, what did you think of this promo? I'm, it was all right. I mean, it was okay. I mean, I think we all know. I mean, I think JTG is a little better on the mic than Chris Adonis, but I don't think either one of them are super strong on the mic. But I. What we really want to see is what they do best, and that's get in there and have a wrestling match. And, uh, you know, we can only hope that we're going to get a 15- to 20-minute match out of these guys for the title. Uh, and it being a title match, uh, you, you know, if, if I'm booking the match, I'm asking for uh, some good false finishes in this match, uh, especially once you start getting down to the wire and people are starting to anticipate that, hey, this thing's about to wrap up. Uh, keep us guessing and for God's sakes do not end this match with a roll up <laughs> I think we'll be lucky to get 8 minutes in this match Kev and I, I don't think it's going to be on the pay per view um, but I, I do hope that it's a solid 8 minutes um, and, and some of the comments that are coming in uh, Traducus says Chris Adonis had his time plus the baby oil bugs the hell out of me uh, what, what wasn't it his tour pectoral that bothered you, Kev? Was did, did you say that? Yeah, yeah, his torn pec just drives me nuts. I hate to say it, he's a good guy too. So I don't, I don't want to harp on him too hard. He, he's a, he was always nice to me. Uh, but yeah, when I'm looking at him, I'm, I'm just seeing a guy who used to be in better shape, whose body has shown the wear and tear. Uh, on wrestling, and here's and here's how I'm gonna now. Now here's where I'm gonna actually be fair to Chris. You look at a guy, and this is a strange off the wall example, but here's here's how older wrestlers should age. The guy for Ring of Honor, uh, PCO. Yeah. He, is that his name? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how you age as a wrestler. You you're old, and you know you're old. When you're not as pretty as you used to be, don't try to be that. You know, just be older and uglier and, and embrace it and, and and go with something that fits that a little better. So I think I think it's time for maybe a repackaging for Adonis to, you know, dig into his personal personality a little bit more uh, and pull something out that's not quite so pretty boy, pretty boy uh, driven. If he goes that route, the Torn, torn Peck won't bother me at all. But it bothers me on a guy who's supposed to be a bodybuilder. He's supposed to be a, a hard body kind of guy. Especially when he walks out with Tom Latimer. Latimer's freaking flawless. Uh, it just it just exposes it a little bit. And again, this this is not a poo-poo on Adonis. I just think it maybe again, I look at a guy like PCO who is 
aged extremely well. That's how you age well in wrestling. You you kind of adjust with who you are and where you are. And I think it goes back to something that we've been talking about on this show, self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, the, the ability to recognize where you're at. That's why I'm sitting on the couch right now, Jay. And I'm not out there still trying to, trying to, you know, hold on to something. You know, this is where I'm at. And this is where I need to be. And I think, and I'm not saying these guys need to be at home on the couch. I'm just saying you need to be aware of who you are, where you are. And I think that the fans will be able to relate to that more because it creates certain vulnerability and honesty that people can really like connect to. And so I just think that, you know, it might be time for Adonis to, to look, to look a little deeper, uh, into his, into, into a different type of, of a character, uh, that doesn't rely so heavily on being a physique guy because he can work. He can get in the ring and get the job done. Um, so maybe maybe something like that and I don't know what that looks like but you know you go around on on the on the you know I, I go through Instagram a lot looking at some of the independent wrestlers out there man some of these guys have 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 crazy looks man like crazy I don't remember who it was I saw some like Mad Max guy guy and two girls and like this one girl has black teeth I mean, that's commitment to your gimmick man and and they're great I mean, they're great, and, and it's because they know who they are. That's who they want to be. They're not trying to be something they're not, and they're embracing it, and they're kind of leaning into that. And so, uh, so again, I, I this is just kind of stuff that I think about when I'm when when I'm looking at it, and I'm just saying, you know, Chris Adonis is great talent. I just think it's time to switch it up a little bit. Uh, and then JTG is actually embodying that example, somebody who has kind of adjusted and and moved a little bit along and because he's toned down some of his gimmickry he's a lot more taken a lot more seriously uh as a wrestler now and that's why he's being considered for singles championships real quick future show idea you and i go through gimmicks on on uh instagram and you rate them i think (laughs) i think that's a money show right there put a pin in it there's some good ones out there. Yeah. Poo-pooing all over everything. Right, right. There's no, some I, great ones out there. That's what I'm saying. Put a pin in it. Don't say no yet. Just put a pin in it. We'll talk about it later. Um, I want to also go back to uh, the comments where uh, what would Lucas yeah. said, uh, put the title to bed. Roster's too small for three singles belts. I mean, we kind of said great that point. a couple months ago, too. Um, great point. Then uh, JTG, uh, Terry McDermott says JTG because Adonis gave the title up. Yeah. I, it doesn't sit well with me that he abdicated the belt and has a potential to win it back. I don't like that. And then it just makes everything that happened almost meaningless. Uh, and then uh, James H. Jackson says it will be for the national title, but the TV title time limit will apply to the match. Laugh out loud. Oh. How awful would that oh. be? Let's hope not. But they will. They just won't have it counting down on the screen. You know, so, all right. So now we're going to transition to the next topic. Brother. <laughs> Don't Let, give them too much wrestling, brother. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to the to, to the show, right? And, um, you know, today would have been Josephus's birthday. The question mark uh, had a lot of energy, a lot of contagious energy in that Atlanta audience. Uh, the fans went nuts for him. He didn't take himself seriously, but he kept in gimmick the entire time. He was a goofball, but everybody loved it. 
that, well, maybe not everybody. I know Kakushi didn't love it. I know DKM wasn't a huge fan of it. Now I wasn't. In 2021, there's another masked man from the NWA who claims to be uh, friends with William Patrick Corgan, who is devoid of all that charisma. He's the antithesis of the question mark. Let's call him the exclamation point because he's not, he has nothing that captures the imagination. For three weeks now, we've seen him in one match and two promos, and I haven't got any more feel for who this guy is or what's it's going to be. They didn't break down the gimmick any further. Again, poorly crafted drama is what this promo with Heart to Heart was. And, you know, he says he spent his entire life perfecting his craft and he wants to be champion. But honestly, he said nothing of value. This was an absolute waste of time. And and by the way, Traducus says that those promos are so awkward and he also thought it was Ted DiBiase Jr. Oh my God! Can, don't don't steal my line from this one, because this is why I don't understand who the editors are and they need to be fired. This dude goes, I get up every day at 5 a.m. and I go hard all day long to get up the next day at seven. <laughs> <laughs> I think. How do you go back and watch the show? see that and put that on the show like it just makes him look like a complete idiot hey look you mess up a promo that's why you tape them and you go back and do it again when we were in hollywood like like adam pierce would, who who's doesn't cut bad promos would cut four or five promos you know and and then he gave dave the opportunity to pick the best one i mean i must have sat i'm a, by the time i got through doing my promos I'm sweating because I've been in front of the camera lights for so long you know I mean I, I, you, everything doesn't have to be one take and you, you cut scene so when you cut scene you can cut something out and fix it I get up every day at 5am and I go hard all day long and I get up the next day at 7 <laughs> I, I, I just thought he was talking about his day off you know like I put it in hard and the next day I take it easy more I analyzed it, the more I felt like I was in the Twilight Zone for real. Uh, I, I don't know, man. This 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 guy. I mean, like, talk about not connecting at all. Guys, not connecting at all. And I thought it was funny how he talked about how he wrestles like we haven't watched him wrestle already. You know, like, oh yeah. When I get out there, I'm a technical machine. And, and granted, I mean, he's pretty good technically. But brother, like John Gargano is a technical machine. Okay, that's what a technical machine looks like. Pete Dunne is a technical machine. Uh, one, two, uh, our boy from Hollywood that used to have classics is Brian Cage. Ryan Taylor. Just, I'm missing him right now. No, 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 no. The guy who's teaming with Chompa right now. Oh, Tim Thatcher. Tim Thatcher. That's a that's a world class technical wrestler. The reason is they don't do basic crap that they've been doing for 25 years. They take those things and they innovate on those things. And Ryan Taylor's a great technical wrestler, by the way. Um, he's had some classic matches with uh, Brian Cage and Timothy Thatcher, I would assume. Um, but, yeah, I, I, he's a decent technical wrestler. But like I said, that match was an 80s jobber match. So it's just kind of funny to me. I felt like it was more like a laugh at the promo than... 
like the kind of entertainment they're not probably trying to go for. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they are. They're so much smarter than I am. They think, ah, oh, look at this. We're going to make a total fool out of this guy and make him look like a complete idiot so everybody laughs at him. If that's what they want to do, cool. But the guy's promo skills don't aren't deserving of TV time. Um, it actually takes away, kind of like what we talked about with Camille early on, I think it takes away from a little bit of his lore. The less he talks, I feel like the better. Well, and all this talk about Billy Corgan, and he's Billy Corgan this. And no, it, no, no, no. It's just more Corgan. William Patrick Corgan. William, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and Pat, Pat, you know, just, just making it seem more like this is Billy Corgan's little toy. You know, it's like it's like it's his little toy that, that he has to play with and he wants to he does what he thinks wrestling should be like. And, you know, again, I, I just kinda think it would be funny because, you know, I, I sing uh I sing at church on this on Sundays every now and then, a couple times a week, you know. And half the time my, my group has to tell me what key I'm in. You know, and how to, you know, because I'm just not a I'm not a trained musician. I can sing, but like it would be like me like going to Billy Corgan and trying to tell him how to run his his concerts. You know, and this guy having been a musician for so long, and it's like, yeah, man, I want to buy Smashing Pumpkins and do whatever and do do a bunch of BS with it. Yeah, and that's kind of how it feels in the NWA. It's like. What really credentials does Billy Corgan have, William Patrick Corgan have, to, to be calling shots like this and to be booking matches and pulling in wrestlers and interjecting himself in the storylines? The truth is, Jay, we know that, that celebrities have done this in the past, and it's just never really worked well. You know, let the wrestling guys do the wrestling stuff. Bring in a Paul Heyman-type character and actually let them run the show. And, and, and let them make a great product that you as an owner who loved wrestling, who bought this program, who want to see this thing go, you can sit back and enjoy what's going on and, and you can go tell your booker what you'd like to see, but don't, you can't micromanage him. So anyways, I, I'm going to jump off that because we, I might get canceled by NWA forever. It'll be my second time getting blackballed. Um, <laughs> do you, I care less now than I do. Remember, remember when Smoky Mountain Wrestling was a thing? And I'm not talking about Tony Givens, yeah. but I'm talking about Jim Cornette. I mean, that was financed okay. by Rick Ross. And I think with you know, a lot of the booking that Billy, William, Mr. Corgan, the Prez, the CEO, the owner, a lot of the booking that he came up with, uh, I have no problem with. But every now and then there's these these over-the-top things that are happening that just don't make any sense. This masked guy is one of them. Um, and, and as I'm watching that interview, I kept thinking to myself, did anybody else uh, not want camera time? I mean, did nobody else... Nobody else would have benefited from that? Because this, again, that poorly crafted drama, this did nothing to advance the character. Yes, he's wrapped in a shroud of mystery... Yes, he's an enigma wrapped inside of a walnut and a fortune cookie. I don't care. You did nothing to make me care about this guy. I still don't care. Go put him on in a mystery match. We don't wanna, it's a mystery we don't care if we find out. Right. I don't care who... Oh, uh, Traduck has corrected me. Rick Rubin. I said Rick Ross. It's Rick Rubin. My apologies. Thank you for the correction. And more, more of the comments, uh, too, in the chat is... Um, uh, Tradeka says they should have covered up his tattoo. 
because it gave away who it is. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to say who it is on the show because I, I want to uphold the sanctity of kayfabe. But I mean, if you guys want to know who it is, you can easily find out. It's not that hard. Um, James H. Sure, Jackson Duncan. says, Duncan, "Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Blow the whistle. No, we can't stop you. I can't. I can't do it. I can't." You know, yeah, when you talk about it. how much... No, I will not. I because know. I want to know about this. I don't even know. All right, all right, moving right along. Um, right, James. Uh, uh, James H. Jackson says the pure title division is in the Ring of Honor is how he'd like to see some of the matches go in the NWA. I, I would, too. I wish they did. Uh, earlier, Dave Scooby says it would be great if they could you know, do more packages on some of these wrestlers to introduce them instead of some of these poorly crafted commentaries. Uh, you know, you know what have been better than, than heart to heart with May would have been like a, a montage of this guy training, you know, showing him putting in the work in the gym, showing him putting in the work in the ring. That would have done more for me than what we got. Showing him in a mask at the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and only if Velvet's him pointing at him. Only if Velvet's over there pointing at him. I mean, but you could pull that off by just uh, not showing his face and shadowing it, putting it in a shaded area or whatever. And he wouldn't have to train in the mask, but because if he's training in the mask, it's going to be comedic yeah. by nature. You just, it just, I don't, I don't know why, but like sometimes, like that, like if it was like a luchador, it wouldn't be as comedic. I don't know. I think because it's just much more part of their heritage and tradition as we're now it's almost like masks in American wrestling as a whole are somewhat almost always used in comedy so it's just anyway anyway moving along I don't know how we spent so much time on the mask guy Dave Dave Scooby says it's almost like Landstorm under a mask if he can be serious for a moment I I agree with that um And then Traducas says he's only providing wrong answers. The masked man is Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins. So, oh, there it is. It's all been solved. It's out there now. Jimmy Ch- Jimmy Chamberlain, you son of a bitch, you masked wrestling man. Um, and then that and then that brings us to another backstage segment. Again, these are getting kind of weird. The, I I like the idea of the heart to heart, but I don't like it sandwiched in with another. Um, you know, promo in the back. And so now we get uh, Thunder Rosa, and she basically is distancing herself from Melina. Hey, Mama, you know I love you. I got your back, and you've had my back, but you're going at this all wrong, and I, I, I'm you're on your own. It's just... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thunder Rosa really hasn't had her back at all, and every time I've seen the show... She, she she grabbed Taryn Terrell at the pay-per-view and took her to the back so Melina got pinned by Kylie Ray. Uh, then we then, then when uh when Camille stomped Melina, you know, Thunder Rosa didn't do anything to help her get back up. It just feels like uh that's a very one-sided relationship. And it's probably gonna lead to a match down the road. Maybe they'll even square off it in power and give Thunder Rosa something to do where it's somewhat of a highlighted match, but not exactly the main event. For whatever reason, the NWA don't want to push Thunder Rosa as a as a top women at the moment, and so uh, yeah, yeah. I, that and that makes no sense. Even if she's coming, even if she's going to be leaving the company at the end of her contract, um, so I mean, I still think 
you can squeeze every bit of, of entertainment out of her. God, Lee, put all your wrestlers in there with her and have them put her, put her, have her put them over. For God's sakes, let her go out there and wrestle twenty-minute matches. That's what I did the year after I won the world title. I went everywhere I beat everybody and I lost everybody and got paid very well for it. But that's that's why you're out there. I mean, I'm just saying, Thunder Rosa would not lose it if she lost to every woman on the freaking roster, but had classic matches with each one of them. She ain't losing nothing. She can turn right around and in three months be the champion again. I mean, she's that good. So, I, I don't know. I feel like he's dropping the ball. She needs to be in the ring, not having promos. I, I think, like, so so we get a match with Melina and Kylie Ray, which is the main event of the night. And Kylie Ray something special. Kylie Ray's good. Like, I, yeah. I want to say Kylie Ray's real good. And I, I mean, I think there's money in putting matches together with Thunder Rosa and Kylie Ray until you figure out what you're going to do with Kylie Ray going down. Uh, going further. Oh, battery is dead. J. Cal is out. It's now the Kevin show. Well, guys, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take over for a second until Jay gets his uh, camera back on. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about what I felt like with the Kylie Ray and uh, Molina match. I felt like Kylie Ray was super strong in this match. And when I say strong, I mean her ring positioning was good her spacing, her timing Um, and you know the thing about Molina and this is a compliment that it's like it feels like no matter how where Molina might be uh, in her shape or whatever's going on with her as a wrestler it always feels like she can still pull together a match a decent match and, and you know do the things she needs to do Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember... Absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.